1: The Money Pit is presented by the Metal Roofing Alliance. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
2: Coast to coast and floorboards, the shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler, and I'm Leslie Segretti, and we are so happy to be with you today on this beautiful fall weekend. We hope you're enjoying. The brisk weather, the beautiful colors, and all the projects you like to get done this time of year when the weather is good for working inside and out. Now, if you've got questions on projects that you need to get done, if you're stuck in the middle or you don't know how to begin, reach out to us right now. A couple of ways to do that, you can simply go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button and record your question right there. Also, you can pick up the phone and call us at 888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974 coming up on today's show we're going to start by talking about leaking tubs and showers they can be a real mess to deal with but it turns out that a lot of these happen because the tub or the shower were never caulked or grouted right to begin with so we're going to tell you the one surprising place it's almost sneaky how the water gets in there but it causes tubs and showers to leak every single time the good news is it's easy to fix fast we'll explain just ahead
0: And if you've been thinking about a remodeling project and you're wondering what to do with your ceiling, I bet there's one type that you've totally ruled out, and that's a drop ceiling. We're going to share why you might want to give these easy-to-install tiles a second
2: look. And thermostats can make the difference between a very costly heating bill and one that's not. So we're going to share a strategy to help you avoid the top three thermostat mistakes without giving up any comfort.
0: But first, is there a project that you're stuck in the middle of or really one that you don't even know where to get started? Well, that's when you call us because getting you unstuck is what we do. We're like virtual WD-40. It doesn't matter what your question is. We're good for a 1,001 uses.
2: (laughs) Or at least a 1,001 answers. So give us a call (laughs) right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first?
0: All right, we're heading out to Mississippi. We've got Caitlin on the line. What's going on at your money pit? My husband and I just
2: bought our first house.
0: It's a 1977 Cape in Massachusetts. It had a lot of surprises for us the oil tank a leak, we had carpenter ants in the kitchen and had to gut our kitchen all
3: within the first week. One of the things we did know coming into it was that the
0: windowsills were pretty punky, it had some water damage, and they're actually even more rotten than we realized. I was going to try and use some wood epoxy and wood hardener to fill that windowsill, but it's rotten to the lip. And so there's not really something to fill into, if that makes sense. I would love to hear your thoughts on a stopgap solution short of, hard, of um, actually replacing those windowsills right now.
2: Hey, Caitlin, so sorry that you had all those problems so early into this new home of yours, but you know what? It's going to be great when you get it fixed up. Let's talk about those wood sills. You know, you asked for the stopgap measure. That is filling those rotted areas with epoxy. Now, I'm not quite sure to what extent the, the rod is. I mean, if the entire sill is completely destroyed, then you probably can't do much other than replace it. But if it's just chunks of it that are, you can use a wood hardener First, the wood hardener will take all that soft, mushy, rotted wood and solidify it. And second, after that dries, then you could use the wood epoxy to fill it in. I like the wood epox line that's made by Abatron, A-B-A-T-R-O-N, uh, that Wood Epox line has all the products that you need. I've used it in some really unusual places. I've used it on fascia. I've used it to uh, when I was changing locks and needed to move a, a very big hole, only about a half inch, which is really hard to do without filling in the old ones. I filled it in with the Wood Epox. It worked great. So uh, take a look at the Wood Epox by Abatron, A-B-A-T-R-O-N. Now, uh, I know that you're assuming that replacing those cells is going to be a massive project, but... I have found that replacing just the exterior portion of it, not so bad. So you could make up some sill stock, which is basically wood that's milled to, to sort of take the shape of the old sill uh, and then cut out the rot and attach the new stuff uh, and then prime it and paint it. There's a possibility a good carpenter can do that, of course. So I think you have a couple of options, but I wouldn't give up on the idea of filling it in with epoxy because that stuff's pretty darn amazing these days, and it really does replace all the wood that rotted away.
0: All right, heading out to Arizona, we've got Jim on the line. What's going on at your Money Pit?
1: And it's a pretty simple product that I've not seen. Okay, It's like a typical house mm-hmm. with a kitchen sink and two bowls in a kitchen sink. Okay. A small one and a large one. Yep. And a smaller one, we typically will put soap and warm water in in the morning to wash the morning dishes. And then by an hour, that water is cold, soapy water. Right. And I got to thinking, there's got to be some kind of an insulating blanket that that you could buy or manufacture or somehow create to keep that water warm and not wastewater, warming it up again.
2: That's an interesting idea. I don't think there's a commercial product for that. I've never seen it. But if you happen to have a very cold under-cabinet area, I could see where that could potentially be annoying. So your challenge would be just simply to insulate this as much as possible. Now, along the back wall, where the back of the cabinet is on an exterior wall, if you could add a piece of foam insulation, which is available in all sorts of thicknesses, so it depends on what you have and how you can get it back in there, you're probably going to have to cut it in pieces. That will help a little bit. On the bowl itself, one idea that I would have is that you may be able to spray this with foam insulation like a great stuff. Now, there's two different types of great stuff. One is designed to expand, and one is designed not to expand. And if you use the one that doesn't expand, it's not going to, like stretch your cabinet frame or anything like that. It's the kinds designed for windows and doors because what would happen is people would use the expandable foam insulation in a window or door cavity and then it would swell so much, would expand so much, that the window gets stuck shut where it was. So if you use the kind that's designed for windows and doors, you may be able to get that. It's pretty sticky stuff. It may, you may be able to adhere to the underside of that sink. So I think this is going to be an experiment to see if you can figure out something that works. So I understand the question. It doesn't have a straight, you know, forward, this is the product design for that, because it's just not uh, something that I think you're going to find available. So you got to get creative, which means you've got to form your own insulation. And lastly, you know, you could just take a piece of fiberglass blanket, maybe one that's encapsulated on both sides. There's different types of encapsulated insulation, and create your own blanket around there, and maybe with a series of zip ties, hold it in place. So I think you're going to have to design your own, sir, okay, because I don't think it's available commercially.
1: But maybe i just get some uh, blue board and uh, glue. And-, and
2: go for it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that project, sir. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Bye.
0: Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors?
2: That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring, we get sucked with allergens, too.
0: Hey there. We hope you're enjoying this episode of our podcast. If you are, you know what would totally make our day is if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.
2: Absolutely. Just go to moneypit.com slash review and let the world know how much you enjoy our home improvement tips and tricks. And you might even win a copy of our book.
0: Heading out to Tennessee where we've got Donna on the line with a kitchen question. What's going on? We have uh,
1: three lights above our island. And okay. they are square, but I am having trouble getting them to hang straight so that they're all okay. square with the, with the island.
2: So the wires are twisting a little bit?
0: I guess. it's They, they yeah. have rods on them, and have we have fairly tall ceilings.
2: I have a feeling that what's going on here is that the rod is twisted where it goes into the junction box at the top. So it's not easy because you have to get up there and actually – um, adjust the position of that rod. You know, it's kind of those little things you don't think about. If they were round lights, no, you, no it, it wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> but because they're square, you know, it's, you've got to like adjust them or twist them until they line up again. Are these touching each other? By the way, are they really close together?
0: No, or no, they, no, yeah. they are not touching at all. Uh, it's yeah. like it, yeah, the island's about
1: eleven feet long, so there's plenty of space, and mm. they're each uh 16 inch squares uh, at the base
2: yeah i think they, they were not properly adjusted when they were first put in you've got to get up to where they attach to the ceiling and however the attachment is done you may have to loosen it and twist that rod until it lines up where you want it and tighten up again that's the only option i think i can offer you at this point okay thank
0: you very much
2: you're very welcome
0: we've got dana in massachusetts on the line who's dealing with some peeling paint tell us what's happening
3: uh, yes, um on our north side, where it gets very little sunlight, um, we were painting it. It was painted before, but we were um, repainting it and uh, where it was chipping and we did put down some primer first and then we painted it and then it starts it keeps bubbling and chipping after we're done painting it.
2: Wow. So even though you're even though you put down primer, it still seems to keep separating. Is it separating from a layer deeper than the primer coat? Like, cause sometimes with multiple coats of paint, it'll break down deeper in the surface, like one of the earlier coats of paint.
3: Um, I, I don't. I don't think it is. Uh, someone said that what they thought might have happened is the first time it was painted, that the painters might have painted it. Uh, I don't even know if they put primer down. They might have put one coat, and they. They might have painted it right after a rainstorm when the wood was still wet.
2: Well, maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, if they didn't prime it, then that's the reason it's separating. Primer is always really important because it really makes the the color coat stick, so to speak. So if you've got peely paint, there's no way that you can go over that with new paint because you can't put good paint over bad paint. It's just going to continue to peel. So you got to get down to a surface that's below all that loose stuff. Now, if it's a big area, you can prime the whole thing. If it's small areas that are sort of separated, then you can do what's called spot priming. And just to be absolutely certain, I would when you go to the home center or the paint store, I would get a, a, um, a bonding primer, which is uh, very adhesive, and it really sticks to those old surfaces no matter what's there. And then once that's all set up, then you can go ahead and put another finish coat on top, and you should be good to go.
3: So, so we'd have to completely, like, strip the paint is what you're saying, and then I put am. down?
2: Yep, I am. Unfortunately, if it's not sticking, it's not sticking. You just can't go over it. It's just going to be worse.
3: Bonding primer, you said, and then yes. uh, paint it again? Exactly. Okay. All right.
2: That'll solve it. Yeah, you got it, Dana. Good luck with the project. Thank
3: you.
0: Well, if you've ever had a tub or a shower leak, you might know that these can be tricky to diagnose and to fix. Now, the reason is that they're inconsistent is that sometimes they leak and sometimes they don't. And the reason for this, though, is very consistent. Tubs and showers leak because of small gaps that develop in the grout of the tile walls or simply in the caulked seam around the lip of the tub itself.
2: Now, for the walls, what happens is that as the water hits your body, It splashes back against those walls and it lands in those little gaps between the tile where the grout may have fallen out. It's amazing how little of a spot you need to cause a leak. It could be as as little as maybe a half of an inch of missing grout. That water finds its way in there, works its way down the back of that tile and causes a leak. But the good news is it's an easy fix. All you need to do is re-grout the wall in that spot, which is a really easy project.
0: Yeah, now for the tub caulk can separate from either the top edge of the tub or the bottom edge of the tile and that's going to allow the water to get behind those seams. Now the solution there is to remove all of that old caulk and then fill the tub up with water so that it gets weighed down. I mean it's kind of the same exact way that it gets weighed down when you're standing in it.
2: That's right and once it's filled you can re-caulk the tub and then let it dry and then after you let it dry let the water out. The reason you're waiting is because you want all that weight of that water to pull that tub down, stretch it down, and when it comes back up, it's going to compress the caulk, and it will be sure to seal out any future leaks. It's also a lot less likely to pull away from you know, all the use and all the wear and tear of people getting in and out of the tub and sort of stretching it out. So that tip has never, never done me wrong. Always fill the tub with water, caulk it, then let the tub drain after the caulk is dried.
0: Maria in Florida is on the line who's looking for a easier way to clean some windows around the house. Uh, so i yes, I'm lazy. <laughs> and um and I've been reading the ads, you know, and spray and forget. Is there a, a window cleaner that I can use on the outside that I could just spray? and
2: then forget. Okay. Yeah, so spraying forgets a fine product, and that's designed to clean uh, mold and mildew and algae and moss off of siding and roofs and surfaces like that and sidewalks. In terms of windows, so you're looking for a product you spray on and just does the cleaning for you, and I'm not aware of anything uh, that does uh, exactly that. I think that is a job that is always once and forever going to need our, our own personal touch.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like anything that you're going to spray on and leave on is going to leave a streak. Because you know it's you've got to completely remove whatever cleaning formula you put on there. Otherwise, it will streak or cloud or do something unusual. So that's the issue with cleaning glass. It's not like a product you can spray on a siding and let it sort of do the work.
2: Yeah, there's a uh, there's a line of products that we like. They're cleaning products, including window cleaners, uh, made by a company called Jaws J A W S. It's JawsCleans dot com. These are products that uh, where they sell you the concentrate in a mix in a bottle, and uh for a fraction of the cost of buying uh, one that's already mixed up at the store, you can get a you know a dozen or more bottles full of this stuff by mixing it yourself with the concentrate. And I like it because it doesn't leave any streaks. And I told the guy that owns the company who I've become friendly with, that I keep a bottle on my desk in my office because I clean computer screens and glasses with it. Uh, so you might want to take a look at that jawscleans.com. And that might be a product that's so easy to use that it wouldn't be so bad for you to have to clean those windows yourself.
1: Okay, that sounds pretty good. I just I have, like, 20 windows, and I don't want to clean them.
2: <laughs> you know, you can always hire a pro. There's folks, there's folks out there that that's all they do. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at The Money Pit.
0: Okay, thank you. Randy in Missouri's on the line. Now, Randy, you've got some questions about a new metal roof. All right, what's going on over there?
1: Yeah, I had a, a metal roof put on. And a few years ago, we decided, my wife and I decided to go with the metal roof. Okay, The contractors came, and... The first thing he wanted to do is take out the two whirly whirly birds on top of my roof. Okay, does that sound? Do you know what that? I guess you know what that means.
2: I know what it is. Yeah, it's a vent, and it was it was the right thing to do.
1: He he covers up the two holes with the whirly birds, and now I have nothing. There's no ventilation to the top at all. My two outside vents. Yep, that were there when I built the house. Is that safe or is that? So you're
2: talking about the gable vents at the ends of the building.
1: Right. Uh, yes. That's yes.
2: what you have now? Yeah. So, look, first of all, I will tell you that what you're calling that, that whirly bird, <laughs> that vent that, like, spins on top of the roof, is the least efficient, least effective vent you could have possibly have had. So I wouldn't think twice about covering those up, period, um, because they really just don't do that much. Now, if your attic is really hot in the summer and really cold in the winter, um, you know, it might be that you need additional venting. Now that you have a metal roof, I would have told you to put in a ridge vent down the peak of that roof, but the fact that you don't have one now is not kind of a deal breaker. Just make sure that you, if, you, if you don't have it, that you add this, and that's soffit vents at the overhang, where the roof overhangs the exterior wall, because you want to let air in low and then exhaust it at high. I, I think I do have some
1: some of that soffit that has holes in it.
2: Yep, with holes in it, yes.
1: But the insulation runs right right
2: up to it, right, so the solution there, Randy, is something called an insulation baffle it 's kind of like a um like a cardboard sleeve or a foam sleeve. And it's designed to be pressed underneath the roof sheathing right up against that exterior wall frame. So it sort of pushes the insulation down, squishes it on purpose right where those vents are. And this way, the ventilation can get past that insulation and work its way up into the roof. Because the the air that blows across, the wind blows across your house, and, and it blows in those soffit vents. And it will go up into that attic space and exit at those gable vents that you have on the end. So I don't think you lost any efficiency taking out those bird vents. I only suggest that you install these baffles to make sure that your soffit vents have the access that they need to do the job. Okay.
1: Well, that answered my questions.
2: (laughs) All right. Good luck with that project.
0: Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. All right, we've got Michelle on the line who wants to do a special bathroom for the kids. Tell us about the project. Um, Well, we want to um,
1: update it, so we're going to paint. I've already got new linen, but because I have boys... Young boys. Mm, I have the same. <laughs> I'm wondering what kind of flooring we should put in there because of overspills from the
0: tub. Oh, you were very kind in mentioning that first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't, I, Leslie. I don't know if it's possible to have a totally boy, little boy proof floor.
0: <laughs> I don't know something without grout lines that absorbs every scent of everything. I'm telling you, the boy bathroom issue is a problem, and you know, I. It, ugh, it, grosses me out every day, every darn day. So for bathroom floors, I mean, your first bet is obviously something that's, you know, waterproof or at least water resistant. So tile people tend to go to first, but there's also laminants or EVPs or water resistant sort of fabricated floorings that can look like a variety of things. Now, if you are going to go with a tile, please make sure it's glazed and not unglazed because that will just absorb everything and be an issue. And you also want to try... I know with grout lines on the floor, they tend to go wider with the sanded grout because of the floor, but if there's any way to avoid them being so wide or be sure to seal them immediately so that anything that spills on the floor, whether it comes from the tub or from the human children, um, does not get absorbed into the floor and cause an issue. I mean, it really depends on the look that you're going for, but the main thing we're looking at here is durability and cleanability.
1: Yes, those are my issues because Right now, we've got linoleum tile in the bathroom, and um, it's we just it just needs to be replaced.
2: You know, Michelle, um, I just recently got a chance to check out a new product from LL Flooring that's called Durvana, and it's a composite flooring. Now, I'd never seen a composite flooring product before, so I was interested. Now, this stuff is only about four bucks a square foot. And I gotta tell you, I'm really impressed with its durability. First of all, it's 100% waterproof. But this is the, this is what I do to test flooring. I, I did some, a little bit of work on the Money Pit test lab. First of all, I took a hammer and I swung it full force five or six times and I couldn't dent the stuff. So that's good, right? Next, I took a piece of sandpaper, 120 grit. I put it on the bottom of my vibrating sander, and I tried to sand the finish. So if you can imagine years of dirt being ground in the floors, I thought that was a pretty fair test. And it didn't take off the finish. It didn't even affect the, at one iota. And finally, I took a utility knife. Brand new. I did a little video on this, and I and I showed me using it to cut sandpaper in one swipe. Then I must have swiped it across this floor about twenty times, and the scratches didn't show at all. So I was really impressed with this stuff, especially at the price and the fact that it's one hundred percent waterproof. It's not out just at this moment, but it's coming out very soon. So you might want to take a look at that as an inexpensive flooring option for this bathroom.
1: Great. Do we just get it at like our local hardware stores?
2: No, it's an LL flooring product, so you can go to llflooring.com or to one of the LL flooring stores. They've got about 400 or so odd stores across the country.
0: I wish you good luck. I'd like to say it gets easier. I have a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old, and it's still terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your help. I appreciate it.
2: Well, guys, have you been thinking about a remodeling project and wondering what to do with your ceiling? I bet there's probably one ceiling type that you're definitely not considering. A drop ceiling, right?
0: Yeah, you know, we get it. They're old. They're dated, right? But you may want to give drop ceilings a second look because those that are coming out today can be absolutely stunning. I mean, first of all, they're not just plain flat tile anymore. Today, you can actually find drop ceilings that look much more like old-fashioned tin tiles, wood paneling. I mean, so many beautiful design styles are available. Plus, with the right kind of finish, I mean, it's really hard to even tell that these are drop ceilings at all.
2: Oh, definitely. With a drop ceiling today, you've got tons of choices for color, for texture, for material. You know, white is generally a good color for smaller spaces because it creates a lot of openness. But if you're looking for something bold or something different, take a look at the colored tiles and the textured tiles. They can be a really interesting design idea.
0: Yeah, to make sure, though, that the drop ceiling is going to work for you, first of all, you have to think about the available headspace that you've got in this room. It's not just practical consideration, but an aesthetic one as well. So you've got to look at the space above your living room windows from the window frame to the ceiling and consider where that drop ceiling is going to come to on that window frame. I mean, this is going to be a big design detail, so you want to make sure that it's going to fit in well.
2: Yeah, and another benefit of drop ceilings is that they provide for easy access to any mechanical systems like pipes and wiring, especially if the drop ceiling is being used in a basement. That's one reason drop ceilings are just so popular in that space. But remember, they're not just limited to basements because they are so gorgeous today. They can really work anywhere in your home.
0: Tom in New Jersey is on the line and has a question about return on investments when it comes to projects. And it's not you, Tom. We actually have a Tom.
1: (laughs) What's going on? I hear you talking about return on investment when it comes to uh, renovations. And, for example, if you say a big bathroom has a 50% return on investment uh, uh, for a renovation, I assume that means that if you uh, sell your home, you're going to get back 50% of what you put into that extra on that bathroom. In other words, different than, the, like, in the world of finance, where if someone says you're getting a 50% return on investment, you would get back your, the full capital that you put up front, plus another 50%. So I don't know, is is the definition different when talking about renovation budget?
2: That's a really excellent question, Tom. And yeah, what it means is is kind of how you first described it. In other words, if we say that a bathroom gives you a 50% return on your investment, actually it's higher, but let's say for argument's sake it's 50%. That means if you sell your home, and if you sell your home within a, a pretty short period of time, by the way... And the, the National Association of Realtors uh, started this cost versus value survey idea a while ago with Remodeling Magazine, and that's kind of how they determined. They said, well, you know, if I put $10,000 into a bathroom and then I sell my house in a year, I will technically be able to charge – $5,000 more than if I hadn't put the ten grand in. So that's what they mean by return on investment when it comes to remodeling. But generally speaking, we, we have these numbers so that they could, could be cared, compared relatively to each other. In other words, sometimes people think that everything, they, every dime they put into a house is going to give them a good ROI. But I, I have sad news, Leslie. The man caves, they don't really give you much of an ROI. The bathrooms, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they bring happiness. Doesn't that matter for something?
2: I think so. I think it definitely does.
0: Now we're going to head over to Nebraska. James is on the line with us and has some questions about insulation. What's going on at your mini pit? Hey,
1: just curious. Um, I've done some reading. Uh, some of that spray foam, uh, there's some fumes apparently possibly coming off some of that. Do you know what's out there and what and what that can cause and some of the problems they're having with that?
2: I know of one case that was, I believe, in Canada where there was potentially some material that was improperly mixed, but it certainly is not a widespread situation. I personally have isonine spray foam insulation in uh, my crawl spaces, in my basement, and uh, in my attic, and across my kitchen roof, and I am very, very happy with it. It's been very effective for us. So I personally would say you could uh, use a name brand insulation like that without fear of any type of off-gassing. I don't think it's a concern whatsoever.
1: Okay, that I guess that was my only concern cuz it looks like it's a really good way to go but after, you know, seeing a little bit of that I was a little hesitant. So yeah,
2: I mean if you deal with a good contractor uh with a good reputation and a good product like isonine, I think you'll be fine. Uh I actually have uh, pro- uh photos of the project on moneypit.com if you search for the moneypit insulation guide, you'll see photos of uh, of the Icynene going down going into the into the spaces and we had a really complicated House. We had flat roof sections where the roof structure was opened up for the outside and then sprayed down across the ceiling and then closed in. We had a traditional attic and then we also had a, an attic that, uh, over the kitchen that was not accessible. So in that case, the plywood was taken off from the outside. And once again, we sprayed down across the, across the kitchen and then re roofed the place. So it was kind of an interesting project, but we saw huge differences pretty much right away after the, uh, product had, uh, had dried.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking
2: my question, too. You're welcome, James. Thanks so much for calling us at Money Pit.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Well, thermostats can definitely make the difference between an expensive heating bill and one that is much more reasonable. To help you maximize your energy savings, we thought it would be helpful to share the top three common mistakes that people make time and time again with the thermostats that cost them big bucks.
0: Yeah. Here's the first mistake that people make. It's trying to heat or cool your home faster. You know, like you're setting your thermostat above or below that temperature that you actually want because you think, oh, it's going to help my house cool down quicker or it's going to heat up faster. But it actually can cost you more money without actually speeding up the process at all. For example, let's say you get home and it's like 60 degrees and you want that temperature up to 72. However, you're like super in a hurry, so you crank that thermostat to 80 thinking, all right, it's just going to go way faster because I've asked it to be 80 degrees. Well, the problem there, guys, is that it won't. And setting the temperature to 80 degrees, your heat will end up having to run longer to hit that desired temperature. And that's going to cost you more money to heat, cool, whatever it is that you're working on right there in the
2: house. Yeah, because once people turn it up, they forget to turn it down until all of a sudden they get too hot. And by then, you've wasted "Ah, a whole boatload of money. (laughs) All right. Mistake number two, leaving your thermostat on the same setting. For convenience, some people like to set it and forget it, right? But this can actually cost you quite a bit of money. If you leave the house for more than eight hours at a time, but your thermostat is set the same temperature, you're basically paying for heating of an empty house. Now, if you take that eight-hour time frame, you multiply it by however many days you're going for a month, you can see my point. It really adds up. So instead, always use the clock setback thermostat settings to set your thermostat 7 to 10 degrees lower in the winter when you were away. And when you get home, set the thermostat back up to your normal comfortable setting.
0: All right. Now, here's mistake number three changing your thermostat too often. Now, if you micromanage those thermostat settings, you're going to need more energy and that's going to cost you more money. Some people love to kind of ride that thermostat, putting it up, putting it down, and sort of a never-ending search to find that perfect temperature. Well, the problem is that you're just going to end up running your heating system longer than you need to, and that's going to waste a ton of money. Plus, what's the perfect temperature? I like one, you like another, the kids like something else. (laughs) Where do we agree?
2: Exactly. Well, listen, guys, the smartest way to save energy and to stay comfortable is to get an ENERGY STAR rated clock setback thermostat. These smart thermostats are automatically able to tell when you were home, when you were away, to detect movement in the house, and they can adjust the thermostat accordingly. So you always have that perfect setting every single time.
0: Larry from Connecticut wrote into Team Money Pit, and he's asking, I need to replace two 14-year-old water heaters in my attic and want to minimize wait time for hot water on the far side of the house. Should I use a circulating pump or a tankless water heater?
2: Hey, that's a great question. Uh, Think about how much time and water is wasted every time you do this. There are really two solutions. First, there is a product at Home Depot and other retailers called the Watts Hot Water Recirculating System. And it basically provides instant hot water to every faucet or shower in the home. And it's pretty easy to install. It basically creates an additional loop of pipe that moves that warm water from the water heater to the fixtures. Now, it can be done on a timer, so it's not costing you a lot of extra money to heat more water than you need. Uh, But it will work and work very well. The other way to go is to continue to have two water heaters, but go tankless and relocate them closer to the actual rooms they serve. We see this more and more today in new construction because those new water heaters are like the size of kitchen cabinets or smaller. They're so tiny, these tankless water heaters. I mean, we have one that's called a combi that not only heats our hot water, but it heats all our our boilers, too. So it, it basically heats all the radiators in the house. So they're real small. They're real efficient. But... Of course, they are more expensive. So depending on your situation, there's a couple of options for you to move that water along quickly.
0: All right. Now we've got Joanne in Illinois who writes, My house was built in 1960, and there's no exhaust fan in any of the bathrooms. I'd like to put up crown molding in the bathrooms, but I'm worried it will swell from the moisture. Is there a certain type I should use?
2: Yeah. First, let's address this issue of uh, no ventilation in the bathroom. That's a really bad idea. I would definitely recommend that you find a way to get an exhaust fan. If you can't put it in the ceiling, you could also put it in the wall. I'm presuming it's on an exterior wall. Uh, in terms of the products, yes, there is a product called Easy Crown Molding. Remember the stuff, Leslie? It's like an extruded uh, crown molding, and you adhere it to the wall oh, with yeah. caulk. It works really well, and when it's all painted, can't tell it's not wood. Not at all. I'd rather have this than wood because wood's going to expand and contract and not hold the paint as well as a composite product. So you can check out their website. It's simply easycrownmolding.com. I think it works, and it works really well. But, you know, back to that issue with uh, no ventilation, you're going to have a lot more issues aside from, uh, from the molding if you don't have vents in that room. You're going to get much more mold growth. Uh, that's going to get kind of disgusting and keep the place really dirty. You get condensation, which leaves a lot of water uh, stains, From especially if you have hard water, leave a lot of water stains on your fixtures, on your faucets. I mean, for all those reasons, you really need better ventilation in that space. We get calls time and time again about people that just are so tired of cleaning the tile or cleaning the shower curtains that get just all soaked through with algae and moss and lichen and mold because they don't have enough Ventilation, So I really encourage you to find a way to improve that as much as you possibly can.
0: All right, Joanne, I hope that helps. A lot of times they're just like, hey, you've got a window that's groovy. But Tom's right. You really do need to move that moisture out of the bathroom so that you'll end up with a nice bathroom for a long
2: time. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this part of the beautiful fall day with us. We hope you're enjoying the weather wherever you are and you're enjoying improvements that you might be making to your home or enjoying just thinking about the improvements you'd like to make. It's a great time to think about painting and decorating inside your house, new flooring, things like that. Also a good time to think about taking a look at that insulation and making sure it's up to snuff so you stay comfortable all winter long but remember whatever project is on your to-do list you can put it on ours whenever you reach out to us with your questions at moneypit.com slash ask but for now it's all the time we have i'm tom Kreitler, and i'm leslie segretti remember you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone